Welcome to another episode of Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem, sponsored by the Yellowstone Wildlife Sanctuary. My name is Eden Wandra, and this is my co-host, Gary Robson. When wild animals of the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem can't be released back into the wild, when finding a permanent home is literally a life or death matter, that's when Yellowstone Wildlife Sanctuary steps in to provide their forever home. The sanctuary's mission also includes conservation education programs like this podcast. Yellowstone Wildlife Sanctuary is a 501c3 nonprofit and is not affiliated with or funded by Yellowstone National Park or the Park Service. How can you help? Visit YellowstoneWildlifeSanctuary.org and use the donate button or shop the online store. Along with animal welfare, education is a main focus here at the Yellowstone Wildlife Sanctuary. We are working hard to be a resource for our community on wildlife in any way we can. A big part of this is cultivating stewardship because this will lead to lifelong learning and hopefully a decrease in the number of animals that end up in sanctuaries rather than back out in the wild. To do this, we need to help spark in people the desire to do something good for animals or to take care of animals, but also provide them with a knowledge of how to be responsible and what opportunities are available to help out. So to expand our reach, we partner with the Absorca Beartooth Wilderness Foundation. They're a nonprofit here in Red Lodge, Montana, whose mission is to promote stewardship of the AB wilderness, as we call it. So they already have several programs in place to do just this. Ben Daly from the AB Wilderness Foundation was one of our guests for Earth Day last year when we hosted an educational speaker series at the sanctuary. And by the way, we will be doing that again for Earth Day this year. In a moment, we're going to share his talk with you because he discussed some of the incredible volunteer opportunities they provide in Red Lodge to help out the AB Wilderness and other organizations that some of you may be interested in. One program he is going to talk about is the Trail Ambassador Program, which I actually ended up doing with the Sanctuary once a week throughout the summer. So I'll share more about my experience at the end, so stick around for that. But in the meantime, here is Ben Daly. Well, thank you all for having me. My name is Ben, and I'm with the Absarca Beartooth Wilderness Foundation, here to talk about stewardship opportunities. Um, we're a small nonprofit uh, that promotes stewardship efforts and leads a lot of stewardship efforts in and around the Absarca Beartooth Wilderness area, which right over there, we can almost see it from here. Um, Red Lodge makes up kind of the eastern border of the AB Wilderness with the Paradise Valley from Gardner to Livingston, making up kind of the west boundary. Um, and then to the south, we have Yellowstone National Park, Shoshone National Forest. Even further south from there, we have Bridger Teton National Forest and Teton National Park. Um, all of those public lands making up the uh, greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So the AB Wilderness is almost a million acres playing a really big role in that continuous kind of big swath of public lands that makes up the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. The AB Wilderness Foundation, we do a few different kind of major aspects of our work. Stewardship efforts, what I'll get into in, in just a moment, and then obviously uh, education opportunities. So un under that umbrella, we do uh, work in classrooms with young folks. We do educational hikes throughout the summer uh, where we'll have a guest presenter speak on a specific topic in a relevant area to the topic that they're going to be talking about. And then we also have webinars. We have a series of webinars that we started this spring and will continue after our busy season in the fall. Um, but as far as stewardship efforts go, because that's why I'm here hopefully to get 
folks involved in some of the stewardship work that we're doing. That kind of falls under three main categories. Uh, the first and kind of classic work that we've always done is our trail maintenance and building projects. Um, and so we have about seven or eight uh, multi-day trail projects throughout the summer where we head out with a group of volunteers and clear trail along with the forest service or maybe do some sort of specific construction project on our trails in our wilderness area. Those are usually between June and fall and we still have one project that uh, we're still trying to fill while the rest are filled. So if folks are interested in doing trail work, we have a project from August 5th to the 11th uh, near Lake Abundance that we're still seeking some volunteers for. In addition to the trail work, we do uh, citizen science work. So we do, um, specifically this summer, we're really focusing on our wilderness character monitoring projects. Um, and so for those, um, volunteers head out with their friends on a backpacking trip along a specific route. Uh, where they take observations and record data about wilderness character. So health of the ecosystem, location of campsites, uh, whether they're seeing people out there, whether they're seeing wildlife, all of, all of that is information that tells us in the Forest Service more information about how the wilderness is doing. Um, and then finally, we have our Trail Ambassadors Program, which is the one I really want to focus on today for the purpose of this presentation and for this recording, because uh, it is perhaps maybe our most important program and the program that's most difficult for us to find volunteers for. And so trail ambassadors are volunteers who spend time on popular trails and at popular trailheads around the AB wilderness trying to make contact and start up a conversation with wilderness users to give them information and tools that they need to care for the environment and minimize their impact. I'm sure a lot of you have noticed in recent years that we've seen an explosion in numbers as far as visitors on this wilderness area, specifically on the Beartooth side of things. So, you know, we have the Absarica Range kind of making up the western part of the AB, and we've seen some increase in use over there as well. But really, on this side of the range, we're thinking like East Rosebud, West Rosebud, West Fork Rock Creek, Lake Fork Rock Creek, Island Lake, all of those trailheads and trails. We're seeing a ton of folks who are either accessing wilderness and public lands for the first time or are new to connecting with wilderness and public lands, or just haven't had a chance to learn certain strategies about how to minimize their impact from um, bear safety protocols to uh, leave no trace practices to specific regulations for this wilderness area. And so uh, at the AB Wilderness Foundation, we want to uh, encourage folks to connect with public lands and with wildlands. Like we don't want to, um, kind of promote, I think there's a lot of strong attitudes out there that uh, dissuade, want to dissuade people from populating these areas with people, right? Because of all the negative impacts we see. However, we really want people to connect with public lands and with wilderness because uh, that's bringing in more stewards, right? That's bringing in more people who are gonna be passionate about these spaces and act in a way that protects them, whether that's in their daily lives or while they're accessing the wilderness area or in the way that they vote. We wanna bring those people into the community and this Trail Ambassadors program is really the way that we want to be able to do that on a broad, like with broad strokes. And so Trail Ambassadors um, get trained by myself or another ABWF staff member, uh, usually like an hour long training, either in person or online in May, and then take with them a bunch of materials, whether it's uh, informational pamphlets or um, some of the kind of brochures that you kind of spread out earlier, similar to those about specific ways that folks can minimize their impact. And so trail ambassadors have their training underneath them. 
and then they have kind of all these resources that they can either use in their conversations with folks out on the trails or just simply give to folks so folks can review it on their own either while they're hiking or when they get home at the end of the day. Um, in addition to like the informational stuff, trail ambassadors also have gear that they can give to folks. So Sylvan Peak Outdoors here in town um, in Livingston, uh, Timber Trails or Dan Bailey's have all donated a bunch of different gear that we can hand out to folks uh, who are out on the trail. So pea cord to hang food or trowels to dig cat holes or trash bags for dog waste, all, all of that sort of stuff trail ambassadors have to just give to folks out on the trails to help them minimize their impact. So I mentioned earlier that uh, this is a challenging program to get volunteers for. So we, for our trail projects, we find a lot of enthusiasm in our volunteer base around those projects. It's really exciting to go out into the backcountry with a whole new group of folks and do trail work. But it's been a little bit more challenging to find volunteers for our trail ambassador program. Um, and so we're really pushing that program this year and we're actually changing up a few new strategies that we think are going to bring a lot of folks into the program and make it a lot more exciting and fun to volunteer as trail ambassadors. So in the past, trail ambassadors would have a table set up like this um, and be at the trailhead for the majority of their time volunteering. And typically, uh, we ask trail ambassadors to try to volunteer on weekend days at those busy trailheads because that's when we're seeing the most use. That's when they're going to have the biggest impact as far as reaching people. And we usually try to have them at those trailheads between 8 and noon, time when most folks are, are heading into the wilderness. And so... Uh, this year, during that time frame, when folks are volunteering, we're really encouraging folks, rather than just having the table set up, to put the materials they need into a backpack and hike that trail. Um, usually like the first three to four miles of the trail, because they're still going to catch a lot of those people heading into the wilderness, still going to be able to have those like, you know, positive conversations and interactions, but then also going to be able to do a few other tasks like pick up trash, disband illegal fire rings, um, things like that. And so one, I think this year hiking, being active is a really, I think a little bit more enticing like way to volunteer than kind of sitting and setting up a table at a trailhead. Additionally, we're trying to make it really convenient for folks to volunteer this year. So obviously there's like a lot of gear involved and, and things that you need to have. And so for committed volunteers or groups of volunteers this year, we want to give folks everything they need from the very beginning of the summer rather than folks having to pick up and drop off materials at a place like Sylvan Peak every time they volunteer. Um, and then finally, uh, which is something I've talked with Eden a little bit about, this year we're really trying to find groups of committed volunteers. So whether that's a organization or a business or a, a hiking club, we're really looking for people that already have some organizational weight behind them to be able to commit to helping us occupy a trail throughout the summer. Um, and so there's a few different ways we're talking about doing that with groups. Um, one idea we've had and I've talked to a few different groups about is like a sponsorship because I think folks have probably seen like adopt a highway or or different groups like spawn like essentially caring for a space and then getting some sort of recognition from that. Um, that's one of the models that we're talking about with a few different groups this year. But anyway, um, regardless of the form it takes, we're really interested in bringing like groups like Yellowstone Sanctuary um, into the fold that way. So finally, I just want to close with, you know, I mentioned that this is, I think, the program, the stewardship opportunity that we really are focusing on most this year because both the Forest Service and the ABWF has really identified this effort as our most important as far as 
this the success of this program is going to have a huge impact on the health of these uh, drainages or these trails and trailheads that I mentioned earlier. Um, and so we're really hoping to continue this positive momentum forward. We've already gotten a lot more support and excitement around this idea this year, because I think a lot of people, especially folks who lived up the East Rosebud and West Rosebud drainages, saw just how many people were heading into the wilderness through those routes last year. And so um, if we can try to have, at least on weekend days in the mornings, pretty full coverage on a lot of these trails um, in the AB wilderness, we're gonna have a huge impact. And so, yeah, I'd love to chat with all of y'all about ways to get involved, kind of go from there, answer any questions too that y'all have about the program. Thank you. Yeah. So the, the AB Wilderness Foundation is a nonprofit NGO. Mm -hmm. What government organization actually owns and oversees the land? Is that Park Service? Yeah, great, service great question. Or? So that's a great question. So the Absarca Beartooth Wilderness Area is within the Custer Gallatin National Forest. And so I think even when I moved here, I didn't have a clear idea what the difference was between like a wilderness area and a national forest. So a national forest is land that can have a lot of different uses. Um, you, you can still have timber extraction, you can have private property, even towns and um, not cities typically, but small towns within national forests. You can have roads, obviously, um, to connect all those, uh, those different stakeholders and parts of the land. But within a wilderness, and so the wilderness area is within the national forest. And so it's managed quite differently than other jurisdictions within national forests. So in wilderness, we can't have roads, we can't have structures or private property. There's a lot of more regulations like that. So the, the answer to the question is, is the AB wilderness is managed by the Custer Gallatin National Forest. And so we, as the AB Wilderness Foundation, work super closely with the Forest Service, whether that's the Beartooth District, the Yellowstone District over in Livingston, or the Gardner District um, in Gardner, um, to like identify uh, programs like these, like how we should be moving forward with programs like Trail Ambassadors, identifying the locations and scope of our different trail projects that we do with volunteers. And even like our educational goals come often directly from the Custer Gallatin National Forest. So all of that is like a collaboration between us, which we're just a staff of three folks, um, and then kind of coordinating with the, the, the Forest Service. How long has your trail ambassador program been going on? Um, I think it's been, um, I think this would be the fourth year. And so, yeah, there, there's definitely, and I've, this is only my second summer or second year with the AB Wilderness Foundation. And um, so it's been an ongoing effort. Last year was particularly hard. I think we faced a lot of different challenges last year, like everybody did with trying to engage with folks. Um, and so I think that was a little, hopefully like a irregularly difficult year to find volunteers. But um, in general, it's been going on for a few years and this year we're really hoping it can, it can take off. Do you all deal with backcountry wilderness permits for backpacking at all? Uh, no, the Forest Service manages all of that, yep. Is the increase in visitorship mostly people in the front country on the trails or is there an increase in the backcountry visits as well? Both. Yeah, I think the Beartooths and the Absarca ranges have definitely gotten on a lot more people's radar, even internationally, but definitely within the U.S. as, you know, places to plan your big week-long backpacking trip. So we've seen a, a huge increase in um, even some of the more remote parts of our wilderness, which take many days to get to. And 
often you'll not see another person back there. We've seen an increased use definitely in even accessing those hard to get to spots. More noticeably though is the day hiking and that, that sort of access or the overnight camping. Was there an increase in that activity even during COVID? Yeah, I think, I mean, so I, I haven't been here long enough to say personally, but from what I've heard from anecdotally and just across the board is last year was by far the heaviest. Um, the, and, and that's one thing I think that's cool from COVID is that, you know, I think a lot of people were, you know, forced to be more creative in their the ways that they recreate and found a lot of connection and passion in the outdoors. And so I think if we can try to harness that rather than kind of turn away from it or um, be frustrated about it, if we can try to bring people in through that process as as stewards and advocates um, could be, I think it's a really good opportunity right now. Do you all have an office downtown? Yep, we have an office um, on Broadway just above Sylvan Peak. So that was Ben there speaking at our speaker series. And now I'm going to explain a bit of what happened next. So after this talk with Ben and some more correspondence, I decided it was really an incredible opportunity for the sanctuary to be one of those organizations that adopted a trail and uh, take on the trail ambassador booth for the summer. I thought it just aligned so well with our mission and would allow me to talk to a wider range of folks and teach them about how to be stewards of this land and protect wildlife habitats, and also to spread awareness of the sanctuary and the resources we have here and set an example of stewardship for our community. If this involved a booth out at the trailhead, what what was the booth? What did it look like? <laughs> well, every Sunday morning throughout the summer, around 8 to 11 in the morning, I would set up a booth at the Lake Fork Trailhead, which is off of the Beartooth Highway on your way up to Yellowstone National Park as you're driving out of Red Lodge. And I would hang out at the table with a bunch of um, resources from the AB Wilderness Foundation and also from the sanctuary, some of the educational materials we have here, which were our fake scat samples and track samples. Like we have fake bear poop and a giant grizzly track that uh, kids really love to come see. You had me at bear poop. (laughs) Yeah, that gets them too. (laughs) Um, And I would greet the people as they started the Lake Fork Trail, which is actually a really important trail because it's one of the busiest ones um, at the gateway to the AB wilderness there, especially on this side. So by doing this, I was actually able to speak with hundreds of folks throughout the summer. Sometimes on the weekend days, there's over 100 people doing that trail in one day. Um, there are people of all ages and they're from all over the country and the world. For many of them, it was their first time in a wilderness area. So as they're getting out there and they see you set up at the trailhead, what was your objective? What, what did you teach them? I taught all sorts of things. So I like to inform them about the trail. A lot of them, you know, would have questions about the map or where were de- de- good destinations to go. And I'd also, I'm going to restart that one. <laughs> so I would inform them about the trail. Many had questions about the different destinations along the way. Um, but I would also, more importantly, inform them about leave no trace principles, which I love to teach about. And I passed out a lot of doggy bags because many people, you know, they'd forget them or not realize they'd have to bring them with them. Um, but and you're, not, you're not trail. talking about the doggy bag from the restaurant there. You're, you're talking no, about uh, yes. pick up after your dog yes, doggy bags. pick up after your dog. It's just such a popular area that um, 
you know, with so many people bringing dogs out there, it becomes a mess and it tracks in wildlife as well. So that's an important thing to do. Uh, one of the most important things I think I taught people was about wildlife safety. Like what to do if they encounter a grizzly bear or black bear or moose or mountain lion um, because it's different for each one. And most people actually were not from this area and were really scared of this idea and had no idea what to do or what to expect and seemed to really appreciate this information actually. Uh, many didn't even know that there were grizzlies in that area in the first place. A lot of people seem to be... Uh... Afraid of the wrong animal, in, in my opinion. Uh, every time I've encountered a black bear, it just ran away. But moose? No, the moose are the ones that scare me. <laughs> yeah, totally. And actually, moose are one of the most popular animals on that trail. So that's something I would tell people. Like, actually, you can't just walk up to a moose. you got to be afraid of them, too. So, yeah, that, that was a big one for me. One day, a moose actually walked up to my booth as I was sitting there and other people wanted to come up and see the moose. And I was like, no, we need to all evacuate to the parking lot. And that was a cool uh, learning experience for them. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just by sitting there and dedicating my time to this, I think just by being there is reminding people before they enter the wilderness that this is a really special, precious place and that it's up to us to take care of it. Uh, so one of the mind-blowing statistics they shared with us at the trail ambassador training was that there has been a 40% increase in trail usage over the last two years, which was really shocking. Um, That's during COVID? Yeah, during COVID, which a lot of people were getting out more during COVID, so that makes sense. But there has been, even before COVID, an overall trend in an increasing trend in using wilderness, which is awesome. That's actually what we love to hear. I'm someone who loves wilderness and want other people to experience those type of experiences that I've had in the wilderness that have really shaped who I am. Um, the fear is that with more people, it's just going to lead to more impact that could eventually destroy these types of areas and this critical habitat for wildlife. Um, so by making people aware of this, and showing them that they could, what they could do to help um, and empower them to care is really what we're, we're trying to aim to do here on, with the Trail Ambassador Program and what I'm most excited about to do. I think one of the things people forget from time to time is that preserving wilderness doesn't just mean national parks. Yellowstone National Park, as, as huge as it is, is just a piece of the Yellow, greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Absarca Beartooth Wilderness is almost a million acres of pristine wilderness. We have Forest Service land. We have BLM land. Uh, there's, there's a lot of space out there, and the animals need all of it. Absolutely. The, the ecosystem is all about interactions between the animals, the plants, the landscape, and us. Yeah, the animals aren't aware of these boundaries that we made around the national park. Um, they need a buffer zone between the national park lands and private lands outside of that, um, especially for connecting national parks and other protected areas that those corridors in between the, these lands as well as those buffer zones are extremely important for wildlife habitat and protecting protecting species. So all of this area is extremely important. To wrap up, I just wanted to say that I had so much fun meeting all the people on the trail this summer 
and hopefully influencing many of them, hanging out in the wilderness and working with Ben and Patrick from the AB Wilderness Foundation. And I am truly looking forward to next summer and meeting people out there again. And speaking of Patrick, if anybody wants to hear some more about the area, we just had him as a guest on our podcast here in episode 39 with more information about foxes than I have ever heard before. He, he was extremely informative and entertaining. So yeah, so give, one of my favorites. Yeah, give that episode a listen if you haven't heard it. And if you'd like to be a volunteer for the AB Wilderness Foundation, please visit their website and complete their volunteer form. They have all the various positions that you heard Ben talk about today, from trail work to ambassador positions. They would love to get the help next summer. If not, maybe we'll see you out on the trails. Don't be afraid to say hi. At the end of every episode of this podcast, we like to let everybody know that we want your feedback. We want to hear what you think about our podcast. We want to hear if you have ideas about topics uh, or if there's anything we said that you strongly agree or strongly disagree with. We'll encourage you to email podcast at yellowstonewildlife.org or you can leave us a text or a voicemail at 406-426-1210. We received some feedback from Jennifer after our bison episode and she said, on your episode with the National Park Service director, you allowed him to state disproven claims. By doing so, you voiced cattle industry lies that are harmful to wildlife and the ecosystem your show collects donations for to protect wildlife. She linked to a study from the National Academy of Sciences and quoted from that, more than 12,000 Yellowstone bison have been shot or sent to slaughter since the late 1980s based on the disproved premise that they represent an imminent threat of passing along brucellosis to domestic livestock herds in Montana. In fact, a study from the National Academies of Sciences proved that the greatest risk of disease transmission from wildlife to livestock occurs with elk, yet the state does not slaughter elk that are leaving the park, nor does it expect them to stay confined inside Yellowstone. She included links to the study in the article, and went on to say, it is absolutely irresponsible for a science ecosystem, wildlife, and sanctuary-focused show to promote private industry talking points that go against science and harm wildlife. It also would have behooved you to talk about a buffer zone and at least present the fact that brucellosis does not threaten cattle. Cattle threaten bison. The cattle lobby is powerful and a source of misinformation that impacts local and federal policy and endangers wildlife. People turn to your show for facts about wildlife, not myths about profit-margin-driven untruths. Please present the full picture when you talk about ecological issues your listeners trust you about. Leave politics and industry second to facts and science. We really appreciate hearing from you, Jennifer. And as we said in our email back to you, we appreciate your feedback and we want to make sure our podcast represents the science. Please listen to our Wolf episode for a good example of facts versus politics. And you bring up a point that we missed in the bison episode. We are obviously including your comments here. For anybody who's interested in the links and the text of uh, Jennifer's email, we have those up on the podcast page of our website. And you can find our podcast page in the news section of the website. 
So thank you very much for that feedback. We have covered chronic wasting disease, rabies, and West Nile virus in this podcast. Brucellosis is a good topic for a future episode. We, we definitely plan on revisiting it and showing the other side of the story. So if anyone has something they'd like to share to contribute to that and create a more full picture of the bison story that's going on right now in our ecosystem, the bison management complexities, please, please share your, your feedback and your part and we'll try to include it. And again, by email, that's podcast at yellowstonewildlife.org or text or voicemail at 406-426-1210. Anything that you send us, we may well read or in the case of a voicemail, actually play in the next episode of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We're your hosts, Gary Robson. And Eden Wandra. For our full archive, please visit yellowstoneecosystem.com or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please take a moment to give us a good rating. It means a lot. Video crossovers and special features can be found on our YouTube channel, Yellowstone Wildlife Sanctuary, along with behind the scenes videos, news updates, experience our wild educational videos, and more. This episode of Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem was recorded at the Yellowstone Wildlife Sanctuary in Red Lodge, Montana, and produced by Gary Robson. Our theme music was written and performed by Justin Satterfield and recorded by Sean Keeney. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Yellowstone Ecosystem.